All right, we are live. Thanks, well, hello, everybody. everybody. Welcome to the UPA podcast number four. My name is Steve Homer. I'm the vice president of UPA, and um, I'm here with a great guest, Derek Knight, and my uh, my co-host uh, Joe Mishik. Joe, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks everybody for, for being here again. Uh, this is number four. I just want to mention something too. Uh, if you listen to the podcast last week we did with Sean from uh, our insurance broker. His sound was a little bad. We're kind of working on that, so bear with us. But one of the things that we're excited to announce is that uh, we are now on about five or six uh, podcast streams. That's been kind of a, this whole process has been a little bit of a learning experience for Steve and I, because this is not something that we normally do. We're out cleaning pools just like the rest of you guys and gals. So, um, we're pushing one of the things we wanted to offer was the video portion of this podcast. So that's being offered on uh, YouTube, which is being pushed to Facebook. Uh, but the audio is also being pushed um, via the podcast uh, kind of world, if you will. So we're on currently we're on Google podcast, uh, Spotify, uh, Breaker, some of these other ones that people have never heard of. I've never heard of some of them. But luckily, our host has gotten us onto all of these, and uh, we're still waiting. Probably the next day or two, we'll be on Apple Podcasts. So once we find that out, we'll let you know. But we're out there. You can find us. And what's nice about that, the reason I'm telling everybody, is you can just listen to us. Um, I know it costs money on YouTube to not have that pulled up and listened to. So you can be out there working, put your ear, ear pods in or your earbuds in and uh, just listen to us while you work. So um, I'm in North Phoenix. Steve is in Newport Beach uh, today. Eric, where are you out of? I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's the beauty of this. We don't have a studio. We're all kind of doing this from wherever we are. Um, So we'll get right into this. Uh, I want to introduce Eric real quick. He is with Orenda Technologies. Uh, A lot of people have heard of them. They know about them. Uh, they've been kind of that outlier um, in our, our space that's really pushed this industry forward um, thanks to their uh, CEO and president, uh, Harold Evans. He's one of those outspoken guys that just brings stuff to uh, the top and really talks about it, brings it to where it needs to be. Uh, Eric Knight is one of their top salesmen, national guys that travels the country. You've probably seen him at your local trade show. Uh, he has just he's just embraced this whole industry from where he came from, which he'll touch on. But I just we're both Steve and I are happy to have him with us today. And I'll hand it over to you. Just give us a little brief background, Eric. Cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I joined Arenda in 2016. And before that, I was working for an app startup, which is where we learned all the techniques on how to build apps like the Arenda app. And prior to that, I worked in the commercial pool space, uh, fixing indoor air quality uh, with a ventilation system called the evacuator out of Rock Hill, South Carolina. So I was already in the commercial pool business, but not really in the pool side of things. I had nothing to do with water. I was just a ventilation guy. So um, the reason I got into that was I was a competitive swimmer. And throughout my career in swimming, I got really sick from swimming indoors because of the chloramine problem. So if you ever go into, I'll give an easy example. You walk into a hotel and you smell the pool before you see it. (laughs) Everyone's familiar with that pool smell and it irritates your eyes and your lungs and all that. Uh, That's a big problem in the swimming community. So that's the main reason that I came back into the aquatic industry because Arenda was a great fit on the water side of that problem to address that. So I came in here with a personal vendetta against bad air quality and it's spun into all of this. So I can't complain. I'm having a great time. That's awesome. So how did you actually meet Harold with Arenda and get that thing going? Oh, I met Harold when I was still with the evacuator company years ago, that would have been 2014 or 2013. And they ended up sharing a booth with us and I had no idea who they were. And, you know, he's, he's talking and he's just a super friendly guy. And we ended up spending a lot of time in between crowds that would come by booths, you know, how sure. the show goes. 
And so we got to know each other then. And then fast forward probably about six or eight months thereabouts, I had an opportunity to go do a facility study on a large indoor water park in Canada. And I was looking at the pictures and I was thinking, you know, I need somebody who knows water chemistry because I don't. And I didn't, I wasn't comfortable talking about water quality, but I was pretty sure water chemistry had a lot to do with their problem. So I called up Harold and invited him to Canada. And so we all went up to Canada. I, we got paid for the study, went up there, did the ventilation study and, and Harold uh, did the water quality evaluation. And that's when I really got to know Harold and, and was really impressed with what his company was doing, but more impressed with what they were trying to accomplish, not as a business, but they were actually trying to inflict positive change from old habits. And, you know, it's rare that you see a small business with such a lofty objective. And I just thought that was fascinating. I'm thinking, here's this guy with just a few employees trying to take on a, a huge paradigm in the aquatics business. And, um, I, it, that stuck with me. So when I left the evacuator company to do this app startup and my logic was if I don't do it now, I, I'll regret it, you know? And so I wanted to take that risk before I had a family and I'm really glad I did. But then when I came, it, that still stuck with me, what Harold was saying. And I said, man, changing water quality and how water is maintained would be a really, really good thing for air quality. And it kept coming back to me and it, kept bugging me and we had stayed in touch. So uh, eventually I, I started, well, actually he reached out to me with a question about something. I forget what it was. It's not important, but I started writing blogs and helping them build their website because I was uniquely qualified for that at the time. Right. And then after a few months of that, building up a web presence, building up the, the website itself and getting a lot more marketing, um, I came on full-time in October of 16 and we have just been running full speed ever since. So we've got a very clearly defined mission that we're doing that we don't share with anybody. Uh, we, we say a lot of things, but that's not actually the mission that we're on. And we all know that target exactly. And we're, we're running very hard towards it. So when yeah, we get there, a, we'll let you know. Yeah, you make a really good point. Sorry, everybody, about my voice. I'm coming off a of cold. The point that you made that just sticks, and I'm sure Steve will back me up on this, is Harold is done the same thing he's done with everybody he comes in contact with. He's a small company that wants to make a change. That is something that Steve and I talk about all the time about Arenda. <clears throat> it's just, we all know that that change has always been there. And that's kind of our whole discussion today is basic water chemistry, um, where that's pushed us to the LSI. And that's where we really want to talk to you today about that kind of stuff. Go ahead, Steve. No, I, I agree. I, I tease Harold a couple of times saying that um, you don't pick easy goals, changing the way the world thinks about water. I mean, uh, pool guys are pretty stuck in the mud with what they think and how they do things. So he didn't pick an easy task, but it's amazing. He's actually doing it the way I see it. People are coming on board with some of his ideas and, and the LSI is not his idea. I mean, he's adapted a lot of ideas, but they're coming on board with this stuff, and I think it's going to make a huge change in our in our industry. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the idea, right? I, I wasn't a pool guy, so when I go to shows and I meet people, customers, teaching classes, whatever I'm doing, I start out with that. I'm not qualified to tell you how to replace a pump or fix a heater or, you know, I don't really clean pools. I never did, and I don't pretend to. So I don't have nearly the knowledge that you two guys have on the struggles of the day-to-day -day pool life. So I actually had to come, I had to come from a, a foreign perspective, so to speak. I didn't come from this industry. So all my opinions on water chemistry came from actual research, not just of pool water chemistry, but industrial water chemistry. How do the drinking water people do it? How do the wastewater people do it? Uh, how, how do other industries treat water? And the Langlier saturation index is a perfect example. That wasn't made for swimming pools. It was adapted into swimming pools with the adaptation for cyanuric acid, but uh, it wasn't originally for swimming pools. Neither was the Reisner index, which we don't need to get into that, but that's a different uh, way to measure water balance as well. So it's a matter of understanding water. 
let's start right. there. What does water do? How does water behave? And I realize that I'm not a pool guy and I'm okay with that. I don't pretend to be, but I'm learning from speaking to customers like yourselves and all over the country. A lot of you have a lot of the same issues going on that keep happening. And I realized that we're being taught something or it's not being interpreted correctly. Uh, some, we're, we're missing something, right? Something's off and it's consistent across the board. So if we can kind of adapt our teaching to address what's really going on, suddenly people can make decisions for themselves. And I think that's a lot of horrendous success is, you know, have you ever wondered why the pH is so high on day two of a startup? And what do you do? You add acid. Okay. Well, if you add that much acid, have you ever wondered why the pH is even higher the next day? <laughs> it's questions oh, yeah. like that, that you start thinking, why <clears throat> does that happen? That's so funny. You mentioned that Eric, cause I started this industry 30 years ago and you know, the guy taught me, you know, you walk up to a pool, we do our little guard X drop test and uh, say, okay, here we go. And you look at me and look at the test and go gallon and chlorine quarter acid, throw a tab in and uh, oh, we got some algae in the corner, put in some cap copper algaecide. That was what, that was my <laughs> education and water chemistry. And as it goes along, I've come to find out, man, I didn't know squat. I, I'm amazed that you're over two years in the business and you picked up more on water chemistry in those two years than I probably picked up in 15. Um, and well, I doubt that, but I'm, I'm learning specific things. So you're learning the practical. I'm, I'm reading the books. So it's, it's course, a little bit different. Like, and, I don't live in that world where I have to be in and out within 30 minutes. And the, you know, that's factors that textbooks don't account for. I agree, but I know one thing that you did to educate yourself in this business is you picked up the IPSA book and oh, yeah. read, it, read it, comprehended it cover to cover. And if anybody out there wants to learn about water chemistry, that IPSA book written by Robert Lowry, it's been around for a long time. I definitely recommend that book um, because it's got a lot of great information in it. And it, it brought to Eric in from the outside to run ahead of the pack. So, yeah, um, it, well, it was required reading. I, I couldn't get the job, Harold told me, until I had read that book cover to cover and understood it. And now it's been revised, but I've read that. I've read the intermediate training manual cover to cover, but that was just my starting point. I then started reading and researching. Uh, you should see my bookmarks on my uh, safari of water chemistry research that I've done. Um, if you look at the blogs and the articles, I had to read a whole lot of stuff. And I purposely tried to stay away from the swimming pool blogs, because, you know, I, I realize I'm a manufacturer, but a lot of information out there is agenda driven. And if we can put as much education based stuff without any product agenda whatsoever on it, then that's a good thing. That's not to say all of our stuff, a lot of the stuff that we publish is marketing, but at least we tell you that up front. Hey, this is marketing. This is clearly our opinion, our blog. Um, but a lot of what we teach is just general water awareness of, of how water behaves. So yeah, I had to come from a, an outside perspective. So I, I guess I wasn't tainted by beliefs like, oh yeah, you should just leave trichlor in the skimmer. What? <laughs> I'm learning now that's not a good thing to do, but I, how would I know that? I wasn't a pool guy, but I'm reading, whoa, that's really, really corrosive to your equipment set. It's, it's a bad thing to do. So. And yet we yeah, see me, it all the time. Yeah, let me touch on something that, that you talk about, which is you learned from kind of an outside uh, looking in perspective. But a lot of, and I totally back up what Steve is saying about the way that uh, we look at the way that we were taught, because I was taught the same way probably 15 years ago, Steve 20 years ago from there. Um, one of the things that's really interesting in our field, which a lot of people have heard this term, but it's range chemistry. And part of that problem is that I'm getting bad feedback in my headset. Um, part of the problem is, is that we look at pools and pools are our industry. So we look at the water in our pools like you would in a uh, scientific laboratory. And that's just wrong because we have water that's evaporating. We have conditions that are always changing and we apply these methods of scientific value to our chemistry, to our range chemistry. And that's where it's really just turned on its head because so many people, 
have get have taken that scientific lab reading of what your pH needs to stay at, what your alkalinity needs to stay at, and all those things are applied to our industry when we're learning through the LSI that those those levels can change and actually help our pools and help our surfaces and help our water stay balanced and not either be corrosive or scaling. So um, I just want to throw that out there. That's one of those things that um, Eric and I have talked a lot. And these are things that is coming to the forefront for our industry that we are. That's why we're having them on today. So I, I, I'm glad you bring up the LSI because Arenda makes the best LSI app I've seen. It's free, so it doesn't cost you any money. It looks like this. So you guys get this thing on your phone. You can balance your pools to the LSI. It's simple to use. You can make records of it. There's so many other little features on that thing, like a volume indicator. I mean, mm-hmm. I really encourage everyone to download that that LSI calculator and use that thing because you will balance your pools and you'll stop screwing up plaster. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Joe, you bring up a good point. I'm going to put my phone to exactly range chemistry and at 78 degrees 7.4 ph 300 calcium and 100 alkalinity i don't know if you can see all that the lsi is perfect 0.0 this is what the ranges want they want 74 to 76 ideally ph you know you could go 72 to 78 that's a range and then alkalinity is 80 to 120, right? And then you've got um, uh, calcium 200 to 400. That's fine at 80 degrees or 78 here. Okay, that's fine. But all I'm going to do with that perfect water is I'm going to drop the temperature. Because in the wintertime, I'm sorry, the lighting's getting all weird. No, you're good. But yeah, you guys are fine. I'm just going to lower the temperature down into 50 degrees. And suddenly it's etching now. So that perfect range chemistry doesn't apply the same way as it would in the wintertime. So let's go to the top of the ranges. I'll go up to 7.6. I'll go up to 400 calcium and I'll go up to 120 alkalinity. Okay. Now I'm back at good at 50 degrees at the top of the range. But over here on the East coast pools freeze. And once again, I'm in trouble. So, so let's hold on. Let's stop real quick because I don't want to. This is something we can apply. <clears throat> if you're doing range and you're not using the LSI, like Eric just pointed out, you look at that range and you immediately drop acid in the water or something like that because you want to get back to that perfect range right. when all you're doing is pushing yourself further in the wrong direction that you don't even know, you're not even aware of because you're not using the LSI. So, go ahead, Eric. Well, we say LSI first, range chemistry second. And that's important because you can still meet most of the ranges. But for example, I have an opinion. I don't buy the calcium range straight up. I don't agree with it at all. Uh, I think calcium is your best friend. Even in Arizona, you can have well over 400 without having a scale problem, provided you're managing the LSI. And come to find out, calcium not only, well, we already know it's consistent. It's a very steady chemistry. But calcium is the nutrient that water is going to corrode or etch based on or scale. So if we know that calcium is the fundamental thing that water is looking for, why don't we set a foundation of calcium so the water has plenty of it? Not too much, but plenty of it. And then you make micro adjustments to the LSI and to your ranges with small amounts of acid or bicarbonate or whatever you're using. And therefore, you can manage your water with a lot less time, money, headache. And I I was teaching classes in Northern California a few weeks ago. And I'm teaching this uh, service company. And they have a lot of pools. There's probably 15 people in the room. So it's a pretty decent-sized service company. And I asked everybody, where's your ideal calcium? Where do you want your calcium hardness? What would you guys say before you met Arenda? Where would you want to keep your pool's calcium hardness before us? The number I was always taught was 250 to 400. Okay. And if you're over 400, it's you're getting dicey. And, of course, older water gets – calcium keeps going up on over time. And, you know, oh, my God, I'm at 800. Time to drain it. we got to get rid of this water. Right. That's, and that's the problems I'm having. That's why I have algae. i got too much calcium, too much TDS. 
Everything's you're going to have a bad, there. bad water line. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. Yeah. What about you, Joe? Where, where were you taught? I would say in that same range. Um, you know, if you got over, like, I think if, I think I kind of remember hearing if you got over 600, if you got closer to eight, definitely a, uh, definitely a thousand, you're screwed. And um, I got pools now after doing the LSI for the last five years or so. Um, I got a pool as high as 2,000 and there's no water line. I'm not suggesting to go that high, but I'm saying it's manageable. I mean, pools between 1,000, 1,500, you can absolutely, without a doubt, keep it the balance in the water, meaning no tile line, nothing on the surface. Um, your waterfall is going to stay clean still. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just you're absolutely right with the balance of calcium. Well, I'm not, I'm not condoning going over – a thousand or anything like that. What I'm no, saying no. is at this class and most classes that I teach. So you guys are actually exceptions to the rule. They don't want to go over 250. Most of them said, Oh, 200, 250 is where I want to be. Interesting. Does anybody want to be over 250? No hands went up. I said, well, okay, why? So let's talk about why. So we started talking about the LSI and playing around with the calculator. And this one guy kind of shy puts his hand up in the back of the room. And I said, yeah, he said, you know, I just took on this new pool and it had 650 calcium in it. And I just, I've been debating whether or not to drain it. I said, hold on, let me guess. That pool is the easiest pool for you to manage, isn't it? And he, he said, yeah, actually it is. I said, okay, so why would you drain it? Calcium is your best friend. That 650 calcium is keeping your water chemistry remarkably stable. So this is a habit and you know, any industry is full of habits, but this is a habit that has gotten people into a lot of trouble. And so there's a lot of scale problems come to find out, especially on the Northeast and in the Midwest where pools freeze, very few of them actually have scale. It's not a scale issue, but we have to understand how calcium behaves, what it wants to do, how it is going to saturate in water and how temperature impacts that and cyanuric acid. And, and now borates is a topic that impacts how calcium behaves based on the LSI. So a lot of it is just a misunderstanding because we were taught a certain way. So now, I, again, I don't agree with the calcium range. I do agree, however, with the alkalinity and the pH range, especially pH. And the reason for pH that I agree with the ranges is, well, when the pool is being used, is for sanitation reasons. pH controls almost every chemistry in the pool, I've learned. And pH is the negative log it's the negative logarithm of hydrogen power. So every whole number on the pH scale is a 10x factor from the next one. So if you're 7.0, perfectly neutral water, which is actually aggressive in pools, go figure, but perfectly neutral water to 8, that's a 10x difference. But if you go from 7 to 9, that's a 100 times difference. It can get out of hand very quickly. And because the LSI... Uh, just puts the pH into the formula without a correction factor. If you have a whole number in your LSI, say minus 1.0 instead of 0.38 or whatever, that's 10 times more corrosive than neutral balanced water. You think you're going to etch your pool? And yeah. so what's happening on the East Coast especially, and I realize you guys are in the Southwest, in the Sun Belt, your pools stay open all year. That's not the case everywhere. What's happening is they all think they have scale. They think they have too much calcium. So they try to keep their calcium below 250, some of them below 200. That's a really dangerous habit because when it comes wintertime, because they were thinking about the ranges, not the LSI, their pools get crystals. They etch so hard that the calcium comes out and we have lab tests that show these crystals grow. They come out of the surface and they harden. I mean, think about that. That is so severe etching. In, in, we don't know enough about crystal to determine why they harden, but the point is you're losing calcium out of your surface. And it's because of a bad habit because you're thinking about range chemistry. You're not thinking about the aggregate of all of it. So you, sure. if you measure uh, free chlorine, pH, and sometimes alkalinity, you don't even have half the story. You better know what your calcium is. You better know what your cyanuric is like actually know what it is, not just, well, it's a hundred or higher. Yeah. 
it makes a big difference and your TDS, et cetera. So if you know what's in your water, suddenly you can control it because you can predict what the water's going to do. And that's what our calculator has done. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, as far as what I like to look at is when people are using range and they're not using the LSI and they argue against using the LSI, what they're usually going to find is that um, I look at it like a sound wave. So because they're using range, they're going to kind of sometimes fall into that. Or as Eric likes to say, and I've seen him in some of his presentations, you're never going to hit the target um, if you're not using LSI because it's always going to be moving before you even get there. So if you're using the LSI, you'll be able to predict it on a much more finer, let's say, sound wave. So like a really thin sound wave versus a very dramatic uh, curving sound wave. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so with the if you're not using LSI and you're just going off of pH, alkalinity, you know, you're just keeping these things in range, yeah, you're probably going to fall, you know, on the, you know, on the scale occasionally, but you're going to find problems either at the top end or the bottom end, and you're always going to be second-guessing yourself. Why is or this happening? the top and bottom end, which yeah. happens quite a bit too, because over, right. we overcorrect, right? Right. If we're not thinking about the LSI. We see that high pH. Perfect example is a startup. Uh-huh. You fill up the pool and startup habits. Startup starts when the pool's full, people say. Arenda disagrees with that, as you now know. But uh, we should be controlling the fill. But let's say you get there and the pool's already full. Where's the pH, Joe? Uh, typically higher than seven, eight. Usually you're eight, eight, two, or uh, higher in there, or higher. Yeah, eight, I mean, normally five, through the roof, right? I mean, it's it's right. up there, and yep. for some reason that's just expected, right? So, what do you do, Steve? If you see a pH well over eight, what do you do? Uh, in a startup, yeah. Well, I. Before I you just, met Arenda. Oh. <laughs> well, what I used to do is I used to just brush them. I used to pour in a couple of gallons of chlorine and just brush, brush, brush. I never I never uh, did the acid startup. It made no sense to me, even as a rookie in this business, to take and uh, pour a bunch of You're acid into a, a pool stack of crap. on green, on green <laughs> plaster. And I swear to God. Uh, plus, I'm just cheap. Kidding. But uh, anyway, so I would brush, brush, brush. I would have, I mean, I've seen pools with so much dust in them. It's it's staggering. I mean, the first one I did, I was just taught, well, just put some chlorine in and brush it. Well, the second day, there's so much dust in there, I ran out and bought a, uh, a, a brush vac head to pick up that dust. But it, it was incredible. But I never I never checked anything like uh, like calcium in the water, none of that stuff. And no one ever said to. No one ever cared. Hey, you're putting in, all you're worried about was pH, and you got to jerk that pH down and make the dust go away which was so counterintuitive to what I know now. Mm -hmm. But that's what the habit was, right? So you see this high pH. You're an exception. Most people well, just put gallons of acid in there. Well, yeah, I'll take you. Multiple you gallons. Acid. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, you add acid because it helps clean up the dust. I get that. And that's what the range chemistry would suggest to do. In reality, when you showed up to that pool, it found LSI balance on its own by eating calcium hydroxide out of the wall, which has a very high pH. And it rose the pH of your pool and it drifted the calcium up a little bit until you found complete equilibrium. So your pool's happy when you showed up, but then you dump a bunch of acid in it and you infuriate it again. It starts eating more of the walls, spiking the pH again. So the next day you get there and the pH is off the charts. And we go through this process sometimes five, six times until the calcium has drifted up high enough so that you can regulate your own water. That is archaic. And I, I'm not ashamed to say it. And, and, you know, maybe it's politically incorrect to bash old habits, but once we learned what was really going on, why would we do the old habits? It's so obvious what's happening here. The research is very clear and the evidence in the field confirms it. So we know what's happening. Um, but, but the point is back to the range chemistry thing. We are the ones that overcorrect the water because of habits. We are the ones that put in too much acid or we put in too much bicarb or soda ash or what have you. And that's where our calculator became a real priority for us because it'll, it'll tell you to the ounce 
exactly how to correct the pool according to the LSI your way. I'm not in the business of telling Steve how to manage his water chemistry, but he can put it together the way he wants to do it and get to LSI balance on his own. And no matter how he sets it, we can get it. He, he can figure out exactly how to uh, balance that water his own way without having to eyeball it and pour a gallon of acid when you really only needed 14.26 ounces. You that see what I'm saying? Truly the beauty of the uh, Arenda app is the dosing calculator. No more guesswork. Just put it in. I, I know when we do startups now, you check the uh, tap water, what's coming out of there, and, and you and you can you can tell exactly how much of everything to put in before you have drop one of water in there. And I guess we get over to the uh, startup barrel or the startup tank with that stuff. But um, it, it, the the app has saved me so many times. It's 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 an incredible tool that we use, and uh, I'm so glad that Arenda made it available for free. Anybody who was wondering, it's on Google Play, it's on the App Store, it's on the uh, Renda website. Free download. It's a. That's a free a app. Must. It'll always be free. Yeah. So it, it's yes. our it's our give back. People ask us for free samples, and I don't give free samples anymore. I give them the app. It's worth a lot more than a sample. So. I, I Let me say something that. real quick too. Um, if anybody's listening and this is all kind of new to them. Um, go look it up. The range you want to keep, uh, the balance range is 0.3 to negative 0.3. Negative being, I try to tell people this, think of it as the acidic side. So you're actually, uh, that's the etching part of the LSI um, or when it comes to like a surface, um, whether it's a pool surface, a metal surface, any kind of surface that has, like Eric said, calcium in the water. That's what the whole range is focused on is whether you're going to pull it out of the surface or you're going to put it on the surface. Mm -hmm. So that range is negative 0.3 to positive 0.3 is where you want to stay. Um, you'll find that out, but I just wanted to make sure if we had somebody listening and they're going, what the hell is, what are they talking about? You know, what are these numbers meaning? And uh, that's kind of what it boils down to. Cause it's a, it's a, um, Eric, help me out. What's the word I'm looking for? It has its, its an own. Index. It's a balance. Yeah, it's an index. So you're using that as your threshold. You want to go off of those numbers. So if you, let's say, take into account all of this uh, information and your LSI is saying one thing, don't just freak out because your pH is higher, right? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. So I've got a glass of water here I just poured because I'm at my kitchen sink and uh, <laughs> it was so convenient. Um, so if I were to add a bunch of sugar to this water and I stir it up, and for those of you watching who've taken my classes, sorry, I'm not sorry about being redundant, but this is a good analogy. You could pour all the sugar you want and you stir it up and it'll dissolve. But at some point you add too much sugar to this. And Steve, what's going to happen to that sugar, that excess sugar? It'll fall right out of solution. And it won't, it, no matter how hard I stir it, it's never going to get dissolved, right? Right. Because water can only hold so much sugar. Well, replace the word sugar with calcium. It can only hold so much calcium. The difference is if water doesn't have a lot of sugar in it, it's fine. Water doesn't really care about sugar. But if it doesn't have enough calcium, it will literally try to eat through the glass looking for it over time. And that is what's measured on the LSI. So there's six factors, uh, six factors that determine how saturated the water needs to be with calcium carbonate. Uh, that's what we're measuring on the LSI. It's the amount of calcium carbonate that is dissolved in solution. So back to the sugar analogy, what happens if I start boiling this water? I can add a lot more sugar, can't I? If you've ever made my grandma's recipe for cranberry sauce, you would know this because it takes three cups of sugar in a smaller amount of water than this, but you boil the water. And suddenly you could dissolve, you know, pounds of sugar that I, when I couldn't even do two tablespoons in here because the temperature changed the saturation point of that water. The exact same thing happens with calcium too, except it's the opposite. Instead of boiling the water, the water goes colder to absorb more calcium. So the temperature is a big deal. Earlier I showed dropping the temperature completely changes the LSI. And this was a factor that we didn't even know. I mean, Harold's been doing this since 1984, and it wasn't until we made the calculator in the beginning of 2017 that this was a realization we had. 
We didn't know. I, I didn't even know what the LSI was other than this chart and grid without presented without any context in the textbooks. I had no idea how important it was. And it wasn't until you could see it and realize, oh my gosh, look at what this one factor does to how saturated your water is. You start equating that problem with etching and scaling and now crystals in the cold climates and just problems, corroded heaters, destroyed salt cells. Wow, all of that's based on understanding how calcium is saturated in water. So then we built this calculator around that so that you can correct it with other factors. So let's say you do have 650 calcium, big deal. Run a little lower pH or a little bit less alkalinity. Water will be balanced and water will be happy. And you can find it all in the calculator on your own. But that, that's basically what we're talking about with the LSI. It's measuring how happy your water is with calcium. And if you're undersaturated, I mean, it'll eat through a vinyl liner looking for it. It'll eat through PVC eventually. It'll take a while, but it can do it. So in a plaster pool, and I say plaster, I mean cement-based pebble pools mm -hmm. have, have this too. Anything with cement in it or tile grout or anything, it's going to pull the calcium out of that. And it's going to pull it into solution and it'll never go back. So... I mean, if you're going to err anywhere, err to the high side because scale you can clean up. It's just too much sugar in your tea. You can always clean up scale. It's annoying, but it doesn't hurt anything. Etching, that's permanent damage. Yeah, I actually, uh, being a part of UPA, and uh, this is actually back when I was part of IPSA, um, we did sick route, and I had a pool that was, this is right when I started using the LSI on a, like on a, daily, weekly basis um, for all my pools. And I had a couple of pools for a guy and I want to say he was like a positive 1.3 and the pool, yeah, uh, the pool had, it looked like somebody had, and I, Steve's heard this story, I think, but it looked like somebody had dumped a whole bag of like DE on the bottom of the pool and it just let it like sit there. And it was so thick like that, that I thought, oh, maybe that's what it is. And I can just brush it off. And as soon as I tried to brush it off, it was like, oh, this is there for good. Well, luckily, I was there for about six weeks, and I started implementing it to this pool, and it was kind of fun because it was like, oh, shit, I get a pool I can try this on, you know, and try to see where I can push this. And after cases of cases of acid week after week, I mean, it wasn't that much each week, but it was probably a, to the tune of like two gallons of acid maybe each week, um, that surface started to just come alive. And, you know, we got that calcium off of there mm -hmm. um, and got the pool balanced. And again, here's something that I want to mention is that calcium stayed in the water. You know, we didn't drain the pool or anything. It stayed there. So it was probably well over a thousand uh, ppm of calcium in the water. But by actually getting that off of the surface, you know, like you said, just now kind of made me think of the story was, we pulled it off the surface. We put it back in the solution. Now the customer comes out, looks at the pool and is like, Dan, you're a genius. How did you do this? You know? And at the same time, we're not damaging their equipment. You know, we're not, we're also not falling on the other side of the scale so that the process continues to go the wrong way. You know, we're bringing it back to balance um, probably a little bit aggressively to get there, but um, we're never crossing over and going the other way mm -hmm. uh, on the negative side. So a lot of these pools, it's kind of fun to have that kind of challenge when you come upon a pool like that, whether it's a new customer or something like that. Go ahead, Steve. I, I had one on the opposite side of the scale. I was helping a guy in my old chapter put a heater in on a hillside home, and it was a big nightmare to get the heater up to the pool. And get up the pool it was an all-tile pool, black tile, and I'm looking – and this is right after I downloaded the LSI calculator too, is I'm looking at the pool and I didn't see any grout. And I'm starting wow. to look, I'm seeing, I'm seeing the tile spacers that the, the tile setter puts in there to space them properly. I'm seeing white spacers on this black tile. And so I, I grabbed my kit, I test the water. It was a minus 1.1. Holy cow. And, and the grout, I swear, it was gone. And I started looking, I'm going, there's no grout here. Is it is 10 times more corrosive than normal water for those watching. That's right. really corrosive water. That's really corrosive water. So we got on our horse, got to the supply house. 
did the calculator, figured out how much calcium I needed in the water. I forget what it was. I think it was north of 40 pounds. Got the calcium in the water. You know, stop the damage. I guess we stopped the damage to the uh, substrate underneath the tile because yeah. that thing was in bad shape. I talked to him recently. Still got the pool. Customer hasn't said, uh, where'd my grout go? But um, one day they're going to have to drain that thing and regrout it. I'm surprised yeah. tile's not falling off. Well, okay. So speaking of falling off tile, I was a competitive swimmer. And when I was in college, our entire 50 meter Olympic pool was tile. I don't know what they spent on it, but it was that one inch tile, super nice pool that I, that I used to swim in. Very blessed to have trained there. But every couple of years, I was there for six years because of grad school and a red shirt year, but that, and I was on the Van Wilder plan, I suppose. So, <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, uh, uh I was 26 swimming. years old and still in junior college. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. But okay. over the years I was there, they had drained it at least twice. And because tile would pop out on our turn walls where we would flip turn. And I kept thinking, wow, this is really weak tile. That or, you know, we just keep doing flip turns. And I don't know how many thousands of flip turns that wall gets every practice, but it's several thousand. You got to figure I'm swimming. If it's a 7,000 yard workout, you know, there's, there's hundreds of turns that I'm doing on that wall. And then you multiply that by three or four people in my lane every day, twice a day sometimes, plus the other teams. It's getting a lot of flip turn contact. So I thought maybe we're just flip turning on it and the impact is breaking it loose. And come to find out now, like it, you know, the grout was gone. It wasn't that we were breaking tile, it's that the grout was always gone. And there was evidence of this grout being gone where we weren't flip turning either, like at the bottom of the pool. <laughs> so you mm -hmm. could see like just big pockets of no grout. And that was an LSI violation because the tile is impervious to it, right? But, hey, there's calcium in that grout. So clearly the pool was balancing itself. And I never put that together until probably about a year ago doing this. You know, this job is like, oh, that makes perfect sense. That's where the calcium went. You know, that's, oh, that's what happened to the grout. Because I never went down there and flipped turned off the bottom. Nobody did. It was yeah. it was twelve feet below us. It was it was a big pool. So that that's kind of a realization that water is going to find calcium where it needs it. So you know, people ask about the Arenda startup. How much does it cost? Well, how much are you spending now? Not just in chemicals. How much are you spending in time, brushing, return visits, acid, all of these things, when you could just buy a fifty pound bag of calcium for less than $20, depending on where you are, uh, and and add what the calculator tells you to do it as it's filling. Let's pre-treat that water and let's fill it up. Let's chelate it, first of all, and let's yep. get the pH adjusted and let's fill up with pre-treated calcium-rich water on purpose. And if you have enough calcium out of your tap, do the bicarb startup, okay? Fill it with sodium bicarb. We get a high alkalinity fill. Either way, you're pre-treating that water so that you come in and the water is not hungry. It's not going to go after that, you know, that cement based finish that you just put in there. And if you overfeed it on purpose slightly, but slightly, the calculator will show you how to do it. Yeah. You could fill up that water. It doesn't have the ability to oversaturate itself. And that's an important point. If I'm hungry for calcium and I'm the water, the water, does not have the ability to go over 0.0 LSI on its own. Can't happen. It can only saturate itself perfectly and stop. That's an important realization. So if there is a scale issue, something changed. Either a heater got turned on or you added a lot of high pH chemicals to it or you chlorinated without the use of acid to correct for that pH or, or something happened, right? Well, that actually... Uh, Eric, you and I had that problem happen a couple of weeks ago where I thought yeah. I actually had calcium in the water coming out of the surface, but I, I sent you all my readings and lo and behold, we didn't chelate the uh, calcium chloride when it was being put into the pool and it fell out of solution. And because it was the a real pH was too high and it pH didn't was go too into high. solution, so it fell yeah. out. Yeah. So again, that's on the opposite side of the spectrum. Still annoying. But at least right, it but it explained, surface. yeah, didn't damage the surface. Um, but let me touch on something real quick. Hold on, Steve. One of the things that I think is important, and I can say this because I'm not sitting with an horrendous shirt on right now, um, 
Arenda makes a great product in SC1000. So let's make that very clear to everybody listening because there's people out there listening that are very smart in this field that understand that how the hell are you putting 30 pounds of calcium in your water, getting it to chelate, getting it to actually go into solution so that you can put it into the pool. Um, I just did a startup last week. Uh, I've got the barrel and doing startups out here in Phoenix and we were able to chelate. Uh, it was either like, 40 pounds, I think, of maybe, maybe even 50 um, of calcium in the barrel. And within 20 or 30 minutes, that water was already in the bottom of the pool, clear as could be. Now, the SC1000, let me explain, and Eric can back me up on this, um, is the only product that's on the market that actually has a um, non-acidic property. So uh, I don't know, I don't know actually, that it's the only one. Hold on. I don't know that it's the okay. only one that's not acidic. Um, and, and certainly for now, you know, products okay. can change. But right now, it, it's sure. the only one that we know of with a with the pH that you could put directly in the pool early on. Okay, there may be another one. I'm just unaware of it. Yeah, I think it's one of the only one. Well, yeah, there may be another one. Um, you're absolutely right. But this one is a product because there's some out there that they they say use after the pool is full, and that's where we're learning that if you put that acidic water tap water in you're already starting to pull that calcium hydroxide out of the surface. Mm -hmm. So by doing it, you know, I'm just trying to explain to people listening and watching that if the calcium is in the water chelated first, and that's the key, when that water starts to fill, as it's hitting that surface, it's not reacting. It's not going, oh, hey, there you are. And I mean, think about it. We're talking about new surfaces. So, I mean, it could have the same effect on an old surface, but a new surface, it's still wet wet, it's still fluid, it still hasn't hardened, um, you have those tendencies to really go after that surface, especially when it's brand new. So I just yeah. want to mention that, make, make all these connections make sense. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's uh, tune in on this, on this barrel a little more and explain to people what this barrel is all about. I know um, uh, there's guys around that have been fooling around with this thing and kind of got it going like, uh, Loopy Mariscal in, in uh, San Diego and Dave Penton up here in Orange County. Dave Rockwell. Dave Rockwell. That's right. Of taking a barrel poolside and, and, and getting the calcium needed in the barrel. And, and I guess the SC-1000, they've done all kinds of iterations of this stuff. But what it is, it's a barrel that overflows into the pool. So you're filling the pool on a fresh plaster job, whether it be plaster, pebble, or whatever it is. But you're also getting calcium in there as you fill it. And I think what we've come down to is what you guys were talking about is is chelating the calcium in the barrel. So you get the calcium in the barrel, you you uh, dissolve it, you stir it up, you pour the SC one thousand straight into the barrel, which yes, which is an adaptation that we had to learn the hard way. We used to put it all in the bottom of the pool. You still put some in the pool, but now we're saying yeah, you should be chelating it before it even goes into the pool, and we're having much better results with that. Right. So it's a it's a great thing, and I wish we had a picture of the barrel. But it's you, you got a hose fill in the pool, you got a hose fill in the barrel from the bottom, and it overflows through a vacuum hose, and it just ease, eases this uh, calcified water in that's chelated into the pool, and the results are very little or no dust on mm -hmm. a plastered pool. Obviously, pebble pools don't have much dust anyway. Unless there's big problems. I talked to a guy the other day who got a call from a builder. Here's a picture of the barrel. There's the barrel. Poolside. Perfect. Yeah. So this is an example. This is a customer in California who puts a tarp down just in case anything spills. And this water, uh, it has an autofill shutoff float ball, just like in plumbing. So when the pool is full, it shuts everything off. So all your water will be coming through this apparatus some clean water goes through it and the rest of the water is diverted through the barrel with calcium rich or bicarb rich, depending on your startup. And, and it's pre-treated when it goes and fills the pool. And, and this is something as service guys, we really got to try and tune in on it and get with the homeowners and get with the builders and say, call us when that thing's being plastered, not five days after it's full. Mm -hmm. I, I talked to a guy had picked up one, uh, a new pool five days after it was full pebble tech pool he goes i never seen so much dust in a pool in my life wait i thought pebble pools never have plaster dust steve <laughs> that's what they say but uh -huh. he could sure attest to something different there he couldn't believe it he brushed back that thing two days in a row and finally got all the dust out of it 
Now, what, where's that dust coming from? It's coming from the, the cement product that holds the pebbles on. So oh. the, the, the pebbles falling off is to follow here if it hasn't started already, which is a tragedy on a brand new surface because, you know, the, the, so many plasters just throw that hose in. My whole thing is throw the hose in, get the check, hit the road. And we've got to get ahead of that stuff a little bit. I know Joe's been doing startups, and uh, he is he is working hard to stay ahead of that, aren't you, Joe? Yeah, let's make a point here because we might have some people listening that are like, okay, so what's the problem? We just get the dust out of the pool and we're fine. What you're actually doing is you have like this microscopic, um, for lack of a better term, like potholes or uh, even as far as like – tunnels like think of them as little like ant holes in the yeah, little cracks and crevices <laughs> and void spaces yeah all around the and matrix yeah so they're microscopic but they're that's where water is going to get in so you're going to have to so you're going to start to see delamination problems this is stuff that you're preventing this from happening years down the road you may go five ten years and your surface looks great if you just did a tap fill on the pool Dust, you know, dust was crazy at the beginning and you got rid of it and your pool surface looked amazing. But th we're, we're avoiding things that are like make the longevity of the surface last way longer than it would have if we would have just filled the pool with tap water. You're so, right, Joe. And, and so what we want to have happen and the objective of the Arenda startup is real simple. And, and Steve, getting back to what you had said earlier, we didn't come up with this. You know, we had this product. But honestly, we didn't really know what we had. Uh, Lupe for Blue Moon Pools in San Diego was the one who first brought it to our attention. Now, he may not have been the first one in the world to do it, but he was the first one that brought it to our attention that our chemical allowed him to add calcium as it was filling, like in the first two inches of water. That was groundbreaking. Because That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. We never thought of that at the time. And then he started coming up with a cooler way to do it. So he did it with this big, uh, big, trash can where he would siphon calcium rich water in but it was a slow trickle into the pool and even that helped and then i guess uh, that word got out and so then the genesis guys dave penton and dave rockwell upped the ante and made these really cool high grade drums these tanks that is an overflow fill and it's it's awesome what has happened and then a company in south carolina sees that video and they say hmm I see that tank and I raise you an autofill shutoff platform <laughs> and they can mass produce them. So Arenda doesn't make any money on the tanks. We don't sell them. They're not our product. Um, these other people make them and it's a really cool thing that uh, they're doing this because it is a big help, but the majority of people that do the Arenda startup, they don't use the tanks. They use buckets, but the same principles apply. We are trying to add calcium as it goes. And everybody's got buckets. You still need to chelate it. You still need to get the pH adjusted in the bucket. But if you have a five-gallon bucket, you're talking like a teaspoon of acid, maybe, if you have a high pH. And that's just to make sure that the calcium gets completely dissolved. So That's a good back, point. But back to what you're saying on, on the startup, the barrel is a way to automate the process. So to simplify... What we want to have happen here is we want to overfeed the water slightly with LSI saturation so that it doesn't have the ability. Remember, it can't go over 0.0, .0 on its own. We want to have the water unable to extract any calcium from the surface. And what's going to happen is it's going to cure properly because inside the cement, you have calcium oxide which hydrates, we've heard that curing hydration word, H2O, calcium oxide, creates calcium hydroxide. And that, according to the National Plaster Council, cures anywhere between 30 and 60 days to almost completion. Well, that's a lot longer than the other stuff that hardens within hours. So it takes time and it has to go through the matrix and, and fill in all those cracks and void spaces from shrinkage and heat and whatever else is going on. You want that to happen. We want calcium hydroxide to be soluble and fill in all of those weird crevices. And then finally, over time, harden. It's called carbonation. You want it to carbonate. And it carbonates from the surface, like the water surface, in. But if you have all these hollow Grand Canyons in there at a microscopic level, all these void spaces, 
you can't put that back in. And so, yeah, your surface could be compromised long-term. And we're finding, wow, if you do this right, you don't ever have plaster dust. That's incredible. You know, you had some dust on your first one, but it wasn't plaster dust. It right. was the opposite problem, we, you know, we're, but we learn, right? The next one you had was pretty much flawless, right? Mm -hmm. Cause you dialed it into your world. So your startup pr protocol is going to be slightly different than Steve's and it's going to be very different from the guys in Michigan. When I did this in Michigan, we, it was completely different because number one, their groundwater comes out at 41 degrees. Okay, that's a drastic LSI difference right there. And you're filling it with a fire hydrant. So it's filling way faster. So your procedure has to be different, but the principle never changes. Slightly overfeed the water so that your plaster can cure properly. That's the objective. Now, sure. do you, uh, does Orenda have any videos on the, uh, the calcium fill, the LSI balance tank fill? Oh yeah, we got them on our app. We got them on our website. You can see them there. That being said, uh, I'll be flying to Texas in a couple weeks and we are going to film a new video with the most updated information and we'll probably take down some of the old ones because they are outdated. And that's kind of part of becoming an education company is you have to stay current with the latest and best practices. So we're going to be filming a new video in Texas with, uh, with a company that's been doing a whole lot of these startups and he's going to be sharing some of his techniques and little things that he's adapted that he's learned along the way. So hopefully it's really valuable to the entire audience. I, I'm glad you mentioned that because this, this whole uh, calcium startup thing, I, I guess it kind of started years ago with uh, on balance and they had a uh, sodium bicarb startup, but the calcium is so much more stable. It's a, it's, I think it works a little better, and I and I think even Kim Skinner is is acknowledged that. But um, as this as this rolls along here, everyone stay tuned to this stuff because uh, as they as they perfect how this is done, it's kind of a fun trip to watch because I have the first uh, calcium startup barrel inside of my house, yeah. and the, the, from the very first prototype to what Joe just uh, bought four of them. They're uh, remarkably different, and the, the procedures remarkably different. And we're talking this is over a six, eight month period. All this stuff has yeah. changed, so it's uh, extraordinary what's happening now, and it pays everyone to keep up on it. And admittedly, the rollout of the barrels because it's not our product was awful because you know, it's not our product, so we didn't really have manufacturing control over it. And we we now have a standardized barrel, which is different from the one you have, Steve. Joe right. has it. You can adapt your barrel, though. Of you course. just have to cut and put in a bulkhead yourself. But um, it is a little bit different. Now it has a platform. People do it their own way. Uh, I want to touch on the bicarb startup that you had mentioned earlier. The bicarb startup was it, it, it's pretty much the exact same philosophy, except it's using sodium bicarbonate and a lot of it. And the principle there is you want to get your calcium plus your alkalinity to 500 parts per million whatever that balance is. It could be 400 calcium, 100 bicarb, or it could be 100 calcium, 400 bicarb. Whatever it is, it's trying to get to 500 parts per million. They found that that gets you enough LSI positivity on your fill up that you don't get plaster dust and it works. It's real. The challenge was years ago, and Joe mentioned this earlier, the challenge with doing it with calcium, because that was tried, um, was if you put too much calcium in too fast, you're going to get scale. If you put 10 pounds of calcium in two inches of water at the bottom of your pool, that's a super high calcium for that amount of water. And if you don't chelate that calcium before it goes in, you're going to get fallout. And it's, that's why people didn't really do it. That's why Lupe didn't do it for many years. He tried, he kept trying and trying and trying and you should get him on your podcast and he can explain how his yeah. thinking was because he was the originator in our mind of doing it calcium wise, but you got to think there's been a lot of people that have had these problems. I just met with some people in Baltimore yesterday. They've been having these problems for 10 years or more. And yeah. they finally discover our startup and it's just revolutionary for them. And I think it's just a really cool thing that I never expected to do when I came to Arenda. Again, I came here to fix the air quality problem. That's my mission. That's my mission in life, honestly, because if you had not been a competitive swimmer, training hard and competing in an indoor pool where the oxygen quality is so bad, 
that you can get asthma attacks and I did I had a severe asthma attack that's why I'm in this industry we stumbled upon the startup and we happen to have a chemical that allows you to add calcium at the right rate so absolutely we're going to promote it because it's good for the customers it's good for the homeowners it's good for the industry so that's all I have to absolutely. say about that that's outstanding man an hour goes fast when we're talking to Eric doesn't it Sorry. Sure does. <laughs> we had a whole bunch of other stuff in case it, it, it got boring, but it never got boring. So this is awesome. Well, um, we I don't know. Do rapid fire. What do you got? Well, <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to mention too, if anyone's interested in one of these uh startup barrels, you can get them at Ronco Plastics in Tustin, California. You can find them on the internet. R O N C O. You can now get them at distribution. They are in the pool corp system now. Oh, perfect. Yep. So you can perfect. get them all, you can even get the platforms there. So as I said earlier, the rollout was pretty bad because we don't make them. Like you said, Ronco makes the barrels, Pure Aqua makes the platforms. They're on other sides of the country, but they are in the pool corp system and you can get them through there. Good. And if they didn't need help, you know, you can find Joe or I or hit us up on the uh, Facebook page or, you know, Eric seems to be everywhere. You can always ask him. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so well, very Real quick, quick, let's uh, PR 10,000 one of your leading products that you guys came out with originally, um, still really big in the industry, mm -hmm. something that uh, everybody seems to now embrace. Uh, we probably don't have time in this podcast to go over that because we'll be here for another hour, but I uh, just want to mention that product everybody's familiar with. Um, but yeah, I think the, the overall with the LSI, these startups, it's such a crucial thing that now you know, with the omnibus of technology, I mean, look at, um, I mean, the LSI is a perfect example. I'm actually going to throw a article um, written, I think it was written in, or done in 1970. Um, I, don't, I don't, actually don't even know if it was a male or female, uh, but this interview with uh, Wilfred F. Langelier, um, it's this like 90 page scientific article yeah. of this interview with him at the end of his career it's so fascinating and it really explains how not only our industry is slow to embrace a lot of this stuff, but even the world. I mean, um, we had um, um, California's uh, environmental protection agency, the EPA was like one of the first to embrace this whole practice. And, um, you know, it just, it's, it's a slow burn, but just like phosphate remover, it was a slow burn at the beginning. Um, I was ridiculed in one of my chapter meetings to sit, sit your butt down. You don't know what you're talking about. That's how this whole thing kind of gets going, but we're finding all these new advancements and that's what makes Arenda so awesome for our industry is that we've embraced these things. They're working and the science is behind them. It's not just smoke and mirrors. Um, you know, it went well for me, but it's not going to go well for you and vice versa. So you know, Steve, do you want to add anything before we wrap this up? Or Eric, nope. do you want to say anything? Well, I was just going to say we vet things before we really get behind them, but we always want to try some crazy stuff. So just <laughs> because we're trying things that haven't been vetted, that's called the process of vetting something. So just because we say, hey, try this, do this, we've been doing this lately, that doesn't mean we endorse the process because we're learning from it too. This startup is a perfect example of it. We absolutely endorse pre-treating the water and getting it in because that's proven, but how you do it. Yeah. We're going to try some wild stuff. That's how you learn. So there's a fine line between us getting behind something and saying as a company, this is what we believe in versus, Hey, this is what we're trying. We're trying to figure something out. So that's all I have to say. You guys have been awesome. Thanks for having me on here. Good. Thanks for coming on. I want to encourage everybody to uh, check out the Arenda videos. Eric's made a slew of them. Uh, everyone's pitching on these videos and uh, they're all very educational and certainly worth the watch. You can pick them up on your phone off the app while you're having lunch in your truck. It's, it's an easy thing to do. And I guarantee you, you guys are going to learn something. So that's all I got. Thanks for coming all on. Right. Eric. Thank you very much. Thank Everybody keep listening. Uh, tune into us on any of your podcast channels. We're on most all of them. Um, Eric, I won't even ask you because you mentioned them. I think Lupe is somebody that we want to bring on. We usually end with asking who somebody you think we should have on. I think he's a perfect example and somebody that we definitely want to reach out to. Uh, real quick, before we close this up, uh, Steve and I are going to be at the Western 
And uh, I'm actually flying out for the Saturday. I'll be there. Uh, we're going to do uh, in the booth uh, interviews, probably have Eric in there for a minute or two, but uh, we're going to have people coming up to the booth. So we want to throw that out there. We want to let everybody know that we're trying to hit every corner of this industry. Um, next week, we're kind of lining up our guests right now, but I think we're going to have uh, Ron Hash on from Skimmer. Uh, I got to kind of clarify that with him and make sure that he's ready for it. But uh, I've talked to him already. He's said that he's good to go. We just got to make sure he's okay for that day. But uh, we're excited. We're going to have more people on here that you guys want to listen to. Again, I want to thank Eric. Thank you, Steve, again, for always tuning in. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, guys.